audio sermons from Peachtree Christian Church. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40, Jesus is presented in the temple. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came to the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. It's still Christmas tide. It is the seventh day of Christmas. We celebrate Christmas uh, 12 days and then the Epiphany. Um, and it's also December 31st, the last day of 2023. Um, and I've had the privilege of preaching throughout the year, a couple of times throughout the year, but I did have the privilege of preaching on January 1st as well. So it's kind of nice to bookend the year with um, presenting the scriptures to you. So thank you so much for being here this morning. I know it might would have been easier to stay in bed and, you know, take the holiday off, but um, so good to be with you this morning. I know that the Lord has a word for each of us this morning, and I trust that you are here and you're listening for a plan and a purpose. And so let us join our hearts together in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your presence here, and we ask that the Holy Spirit would come 
and speak to our hearts and our minds. Lord, thank you for your goodness. We pray, Father, that you would tune our hearts to hear your word. We pray, Father, that the words of my mouth as I preach, and Father, that the meditation of our hearts together would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock, our redeemer. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So it is the end of the year, and I find that at the end of the year, we often get to look back and evaluate what happened over the course of the year. And we often wonder how things could have been different. Uh, We think of the many decisions that we made in our lives, and we think of the circumstances that led to the outcomes. And personally, I like to look back and think about what I've learned over the year. I think about the risks that I took um, and maybe the risks that I didn't take. I think about my successes and I think about my failures. Uh, What did I experience throughout the year? I think we can learn from both our successes and our failures. In fact, though, some say that you, uh, the more you lose, the more likely you are to succeed. The author Arthur Gordon, he once approached the IBM founder, Thomas J. Watson Sr., and he asked him what he could do to excel as a writer more quickly. Thomas J. Watson, he was one of the pioneers of American industry, and he replied to uh, Gordon with these insightful words. He said, if you want to grow quicker, you have to double the failure rate. Success is on the other side of failure. So I wonder, what did you risk this past year? What were your successes and what were your failures? Have you had a chance to reflect on those? Have you had a chance to look back and evaluate the past year? Well, I hope you get a chance to do that later today. And all this evaluation, it leads us then to look forward to the future. You know, what what does 2024 hold? As we turn the calendar year, we imagine what could be. What are our hopes? What are our dreams? Just imagine, just a clean slate. What will God lead you to accomplish in the coming year? How might you fulfill your purpose? You know, purpose is an interesting topic. If you do a search online, you come up with hundreds of articles talking about purpose in life. But when is the last time you reflected on your purpose, on life's purpose, on the reason for being, on the pursuit of the meaning of life? So this morning, I invite you to journey with me through scripture as we draw inspiration from an encounter of Simeon and Anna with the infant Jesus in the temple. This passage is found in Luke 2, and you may not be as familiar with it as the earlier verses that describe Jesus's birth in Bethlehem. Luke 2 is quite a long chapter in the Gospel of Luke. And in fact, I I mentioned to some of my friends last night at dinner that I'd be preaching upon this passage, and they are churchgoers. They grew up in the church and know the Bible. And when I talked about Anna and Simeon, they, they questioned whether they had even read that story before. Had they ever heard a sermon on it? Um, the story often gets overlooked. But as I sat here um, in worship, I looked up at our stained glass and I noticed that there is, there's a stained glass depicting the presentation of Jesus 
um, to the right of the manger scene, the nativity scene. So it is an important story. It's one of the very few stories we have of Jesus as an infant and his parents. It begins and it ends with a ritual, with the Jewish rituals. Mary and Joseph are simply being good, devout Jewish people, and they're fulfilling their duties to the law of Moses. And these laws regarding, is regarding purification and dedication. Mary, having just given birth, she's required to offer sacrifices and undergo a ceremony of purification, not because childbirth is impure, but because childbirth is holy. And then they bring these two turtle doves, or maybe two pigeons, um, as an offering to God. And some commentators believe that that is a, maybe a sign of their poverty, that they couldn't afford much more than just two birds. And then to this ceremony was joined the dedication of their firstborn son. Again, a, a ritual of presenting their child to the Lord as holy. So the firstborn, how proud they are. And at the end of this passage, we see that this young family returned to their hometown of Nazareth. They just go home and they'd finished all that was required of them, um, all that the law required. But our focus this morning isn't on the Christ child. It's on the much older characters in this passage, Simeon and Anna, particularly as it pertains to what we can learn about purpose. Remember at the beginning, I talked, we're talking about purpose this morning. And so there's two things I want to point out in this passage. The first is I want us to notice their faith in God's faithfulness. Both Simeon and Anna believed God for the Messiah. They had been waiting and waiting. God had been silent for 400 years. And here these two are faithful. And I wonder if they had any idea that the Messiah would appear in the form of a baby. Maybe they imagined that he would come as a king riding on a horse and, and into battle. I imagine it would have come to a surprise to them that the Lord's Messiah was a helpless newborn in the arms of a teenage mother. How is it that this is what they've been waiting for? Could it be? Have you ever had a season of waiting and longing only to receive what you've been waiting for and longing for in some other way? I know a young couple who experienced infertility. They, were, they so wanted to be parents. They so wanted to have a child and they waited and they waited. And after many unsuccessful IVF treatments, they found a way to become parents through the foster care system. God answered their prayer. It wasn't where they were looking. For. It wasn't what they were looking for. It wasn't what they were expecting, but it fulfilled their longing for a child, their longing to be a parent. And it provided care for three infants that they have in their home currently. God was faithful to this couple, even though they weren't looking for it in that way. God is faithful and he will fulfill his promises it might not look, again, it might not look like what we think it would look like. But in order to live on purpose, we must believe God's promise. 
But what are the promises of God? Where do you find them? Of course, we find God's many promises in Scripture. Some of the promises we find in Scripture is that God promises to forgive, to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God promises to never leave us or forsake us. God promises to give us peace, a peace that passes all understanding. God promises us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who will guide us and lead us and teach us and rebuke us and convict us and change us from within. So we must know the promises of God in order to believe them, in order to live according to God's purpose for us. So my challenge to each of us this year is to read the Bible. How can we believe God's promises when we don't know them? And if you've never read the Bible or you're not familiar with the Bible, you don't know where to start, you don't, you've never studied it before, just ask. Find out. There's an excellent Wednesday evening class that's starting up January 10th here at Peachtree Christian Church that will guide you into a deeper understanding of God's Word, how to study it, what it is. Both Simeon and Anna, they were devout worshipers. They knew God's law. They knew that there was a Messiah coming. They knew the promises of God. And it led them to fulfill their purpose of recognizing salvation. And salvation not just for themselves, but salvation for the nation of Israel. And, and it goes beyond that. Simeon recognized that it was salvation for the Gentiles, for all nations, all people. So in the new year, may we anchor our hope in the unwavering promises of God, knowing that his plans for us are fulfilled with purpose and goodness. The second thing I want us to notice in this passage is specifically about Simeon, and we'll get to Anna in just a minute, but Simeon came to the temple guided by the Holy Spirit. He was attuned to the divine leading. That's something I think we ought to tap into. Remember the, the promise for Simeon was that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Messiah. And that was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. How I love how the Holy Spirit shows up in this passage. But I also think about how Simeon took action. Simeon believed God, that he, God would reveal to him the Savior. And he, so he didn't just sit at home, though, waiting for someone to show up on his doorstep. He acted on his faith. Imagine if Simeon hadn't gone to the temple that day. He would have missed Jesus and his parents. So we have to take action in order to fulfill our purpose. We must be aware of the leadership of the Spirit, and we must act. We must follow where God leads us. But how do we do this? Well, here we look at Anna. Anna was so devout, and she, she stayed in the temple, and she fasted and prayed night and day. Now, you may be familiar with prayer. Many of us are. It's communicating with God. It's speaking words of praise and adoration and petition and thanksgiving, just pouring our hearts out to God. Prayer is also listening, right? It's hearing that voice of God in our hearts and in our minds. 
And the only way to get better at prayer is by doing it, just by simply praying. Now, fasting is something that you might not be as familiar with. Although intermittent fasting for health reasons has become quite popular in the current days, but the type of fasting that leads to the awareness of the divine is a spiritual practice. I attended a seminar uh, taught by a friend of mine some years ago on the topic of fasting, and she was very knowledgeable about the subject, and she shared lots of stories from her own experience of times where she felt led to fast to receive clarity about a decision that she needed to make. And I remember one such story, she talked about um, a decision that she had to make, a choice that would change the course of her life. And she felt very heavy about that she wanted to pray and ask God to give her wisdom. And so she felt led to fast. And not only did she pray and fast, but she asked some friends to come along with her and to pray and fast alongside her. And they prayed and they fasted for three to four days before she felt like God had given her peace about the decision, about the choice that she would make. So I encourage you, if you if you've never fasted before, to explore that spiritual discipline and to see what God might reveal to you. I believe Anna fasted and prayed and she was led to proclaim the salvation of a Jewish uh, nation. So the way that Luke describes Anna, it does lead us to believe that she endured some really hard times in her life. She was married for seven years before her husband died and she was, she was left as a widow and it, back in the culture, widows were poor and they were dependent on other people. And perhaps that's why we find her in the temple that she found community she found others to help her and to connect with. And so I believe also that um, Anna was very old. It says, it doesn't say much that Simeon was old. We just picture him as an old person. But we do know that, that Anna was, was old. And I love Anna's story because nowhere else in Scripture is she mentioned, but she is of great importance. At the moment when she saw Simeon holding baby Jesus, she began to praise God. She knew immediately, and she spoke to everyone around her about the redemption of Jerusalem. She knew. So after the shepherds, remember the shepherds earlier in chapter 2, they went out and proclaimed the good news. Anna is the next evangelist that we see in the Gospel of Luke. And she's the first female going out and proclaiming the good news. Her purpose was fulfilled in that moment, that she was to proclaim the good news of salvation. She doesn't, didn't hesitate because, you see, Anna had encountered the divine and she knew what she must do and she took action. Both Simeon and Anna recognized Jesus as salvation and redemption for the nations. They were waiting for it. They were expecting it, and when they saw it, they didn't hesitate to act upon it. So I believe that through spiritual disciplines such as prayer and fasting, that we may open our hearts and our eyes to the encounters and opportunities that God places before us. May we know that within those opportunities lies our purpose. We have to be willing to say yes to whatever God is leading us to. 
We may feel like it's a risk, right, to act on what God is nudging us to do. We may not understand why God is leading us to move forward in that direction. We may not be able to predict what will happen when we do. But we have to remember that God's purpose for us is good, and it is rooted in Christ's love. And what, when the more we choose to love when God calls us to, the less fear we'll experience. It's one of the promises we find in God's word. It says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. When you drive out fear from your life, you welcome in wonder and imagination. Since your mind will be clear and your heart will be open to the possibilities and where God is at work. As you put your faith in action, God will work through you. He will accomplish his good purposes around you. And those purposes, again, are rooted in love, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. God's love for you and God's love for the world will lead you because he has a plan and a purpose for each of us. May we believe then God's promises and be open to divine encounters in this new year. Amen.